Uh, morning, everyone. My name is Pedro. I am, as of this week, I am the acting lead pastor of this church. Amen. Thank you. It's super exciting for me. This is such a week and a season of stepping into and seeing God fulfill so many promises that he made to me in my life. Um, my friend David's here. David, can you raise your hand? I forgot that you were coming. David, I've known David since I really became a Christian. And so seeing you here is just so cool to me because to see how long of this journey that God's been talking to me and all of us and, and you and to see how life has developed. Um, it's been a season where so many like deep-seated promises God has done something about. And so I am in such a season now of victory in my life, and I am so excited to be starting this journey um, with our church, with our community. You know, and as I step into the, all of these new things, I've been reflecting over my time here at City Life, and I've just come to one conclusion, that my time here has never made any sense. It's never made any sense for me and for Anne, my wife, to be here. It's always been much easier for us to not come to City Life. Um, in 2000, my, on my birthday in 2017, I met with Yathis. And Yathis, we were talking about possible jobs in the future, talking about a whole lot of things. I was just out of seminary, and I didn't know what I was doing and I had no job that I wanted, at least. And um, he said, we met for an hour. And then at the end, he was just like, yeah, come. I know of this one church. Come check them out. They're called City Life. That's all he gave me. That Sunday, I think it was like January 22nd, something like that, in 2017, it was actually the first week where the previous pastor was no longer the pastor of this church. And I was like, Yathis, you couldn't give me a heads up? You couldn't give me nothing? You just said, oh, come check out this place, and so we did. And so even in that initial season, it made no sense for me and my wife to come here. It made no sense for us to come commute over an hour each way to get here from Nyack. But we came here, and we didn't see something special, but we saw something that God had, something. It wasn't in the programming. It wasn't in the size of the people, because there were about 20 or 30 people. It wasn't the space, because we were in a basement. But there was something here, and so Anne and I just tried to be as faithful as we could, and we just came. I was still doing like behind-the-scenes work at my old church, so when I didn't have to work, we came here. And then the more and more we prayed, the more and more like God started leading us, hey, come here, come to Jersey City make this your church. And so I got out of the things that I was doing at our old church, and we started coming here. We had no plans. We had no future. Um, there was no job, but God made it very clear. There was no pastor here at the time, but God made it very clear to me that I wasn't the guy. And so I wasn't going after the City Life pastor job then, but I did want to be a part of this community. So Anne and I just came, and we came and we came, and throughout this whole time, we were just asking God, like, God, we don't know why you have us coming here, but we're going to be coming. You've led us here. We'll hear, if you speak to us, if you tell us to come, we'll come. And so it made no sense for us to travel here um, in that time. And then Justin got hired in September or October, and 
it, made, it started making a little more sense. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy is actually pretty cool. This guy is actually pretty brave. Like, I could be under him, and I want to work for him. And so we approached him about joining staff and went through an interview process and everything, and they hired me to come on staff, and it was good. It was good for a long time. We really enjoyed it and grew a lot. And in this whole time, it still didn't make sense because we had a newborn, and we came for a job that had no money. And we gave up our, pre I left my previous job that gave us housing and paid us a little bit. And it made no sense for us to come here. When we signed our lease with our building, my parents had to co-sign it with us because we just had nothing. It, made no, it still made no sense for us to come. But I knew God during this whole process was saying, just be, be obedient, just I'll lead you. Do what I say, something good's gonna happen. And I could never see any good thing that was <laughs> happening, you know, apart from, like, in the life trajectory. I love this place. I've loved it this whole time, and I love all of you, and have always loved you since I've been here. But it still made little sense in our life. Um, I wasn't planning on saying this, but our first year here, Anne and I made it by on $24,000. That's what we lived off of that year. And I, to this day, I still don't know how that happened. Like, there were timely gifts from the church, even. Timely gifts from friends and parents. Uh, and somehow we just made it through. It didn't make sense for us to be here, but God kept us here, and he kept us thriving here. And uh, for work, what I did during the week was I drove for Uber as a lot of you know, and so I would drive anywhere from 30, but realistically closer to 50 or 60 hours a week in the car. And I was often very angry in that car. I was often very, very frustrated in that car. I was often saying really bad things in my heart in that car. I was gaining a lot of weight, because all I was doing was sitting, and McDonald's is really tempting when you're driving Uber. Um, but, we, but I knew what God was calling us to do, and knew what God was calling us to do. It was just to be here and see what his plan unfolded. And so to be here today, taking a big step forward in my life, uh, and with all of you guys, it's just an honor to do that. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. So Justin's last couple of weeks, he started a series and it was, I forget the exact name, but it was things, things he always wanted to say, right? And that kind of inspired me to do a two-week series to kick off my relationship with all of you as lead pastor of things that I want to start out saying. You know, this job is much more than just a job. It's something that I, that hopefully pastors pour their whole beings into their whole heart and their whole soul. And so over the years, I've been working in ministry for 10 years now, and I've always had things like, oh, if I'm ever a head pastor, I'm gonna preach this. Or if I'm ever in charge of a group of people, they're gonna know this. Or, and you, have, you develop all these dreams. And so today is really like the fruition of one of the biggest lessons that God has always taught me. And it's quite, in one sentence, it's that God is the one who sees and we are the ones who listen. You know, in, in my testimony of being here at City Life, I have 
only been able to stay because I always could go back to God told me to be here. And so let's see what God's word has to say about this. Um, Stepping into this, I don't even know if I have the right words for this quite yet, but let's go for it uh, because I think that this is a message that God has put deeply into my heart. So please pray with me and then we'll go into uh, God's word for us. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for how incredible you are. Lord, please be with us in this season, teaching us and guiding us and uh, speaking to us, Lord. We will be people who hear your voice and who obey you. So, Lord, I ask for your spirit to be with us, and in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, we're going to be in Genesis 22. This is a much larger portion of Scripture than we are generally used to reading. I'm sorry, I really tried to cut it down, but we're going to be in Genesis 2, verses 1 to 19. And so, if you could turn there, or if it could be on the screen, um, this is what the Word of the Lord says. Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood from the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, this is important, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn 
declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I surely, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offsprings as the stars of heavens and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. So sometimes in Scripture, the real power comes in, in taking it back and seeing what words are used. Here, there are three really important words that we need to study to have a real understanding of what this passage is saying. You know, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've heard this passage, and you've heard sermons about this passage, and you've probably even read books about this passage. Um, but I think a lot of our commentary on what's happening here is lost if you don't tie yourself to the Hebrew at times. And so there are three words that just make this story explode in meaning. You know, one of the really cool things about Scripture, about Genesis specifically, is that it's the beginning, right? It's everything God wants us to know right off the bat. It's, if it's not in Genesis, then it wasn't important for him to know. And so one of the things that we see in Genesis is that God, after the fall, has been trying to bring his people back to him. And so let's look at these three words really quick. You've heard of the story, eat, pray, love, right? Today our story is going to be speak, or say, see, and listen. I tried really hard to get the alliteration there, but sorry, I, I couldn't. And so our first word, see, the word there is amar. Can you say it with me? Amar. And the word amar really just means speaking. And it's actually used a disproportionate amount of time in the story. Sometimes when I was reading it, it, like, it comes out really ugly because it's, and, the, and then he said, and then he said, and then he said, and then he said. And it sets up this, this principle that everyone, in this, everyone but the two young men speaks in this story. And one is speaking while the other one is speaking, and then speaking, and then answering, and then speaking. And I'm not here to say that speaking isn't important because that's how God says he created everything. Scripture tells us to control our tongues. Scripture even calls Jesus God's word. And so words are not cheap, but they often keep us from doing what's more important, which is listening. One of the really cool things about, well, cool for us to see and to digest with the rest of the Genesis narrative is that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, what is the one thing that said it did? It said it opened their eyes to see what good and evil are. And then when they looked at themselves, they saw that they were naked and they became ashamed of that. And so really this idea, this, this struggle between seeing and listening is so important in the early narrative of God's story. It's, God is really saying to us over and over again, Who's the one who gets to see things? Who's the one who really knows what good and evil are? And who's the one who listens? Does God have to listen to us, or do we have to listen to God? It's a constant struggle in Genesis. Who is the one listening, and who is the one who's seeing or speaking? 
And so that brings us to our second important word of the day, which is see. Can you guys say ra'a? Ra'a just quite literally means to see. And it's such an important word in this passage here. If you go with me to verse 8, it says that Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering, my son. The word for provide there is literally the word ra'ah, which sets up and continues this narrative of who is the one who sees and who is the one who listens. See, the word provide there, it gets the picture across, but theologically, if we reinsert the word that's really there, that's most literally there, is that the Lord will see for himself the land of the burnt offering. You see, this lesson was a lesson that Abraham knew really intimately. How's, do you guys remember how the story of Abraham really started? Is God, that God told him to get out of his homeland, Ur, to a land that I will show you? This story here, God interrupts his life again and says, go to the land of Moriah on a mountain that I will show you. There's so much even more, even within our 19 verses, that I wish I had time for, but we don't because I don't want to be here for an hour, and I'm pretty sure you don't want me to be here for an hour, but it's this idea that God is the one who sees. Abraham knows this lesson already, that God is the one who sees life is better, life is in its rightful place when God is the one who sees. Later on, Abraham, because he's so happy with what God did for him, you know, I hear a lot of sermons where they like psychoanalyze how is Isaac feeling, and how is Abraham feeling? And, and that's fine, maybe, but that's not really the point of this. The point is that God spared, that, God, that Abraham so listened to God, so knew that he had to listen to his voice, that he was willing to do anything for God. And when God spared him of having to do this thing that he did not want to do, Abraham had to name that place, because that's what you did in their world when God did something for you. He said in verse 14, So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Again, that word ra, the Lord will see. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Again, it's that word ra. So the better translation for that second sentence is, the Lord will be seen. Which is to me so beautiful and so striking. It's this idea of, Do our lives show God that we trust him? Does the way that we listen to his voice really show us the way that we will listen to him? Or do we rush to God to get what we want all the time? One of the really cool things about this story is that Abraham only sees rightfully when after God had talked to him. You know, he saw, it says, when they get to the mountain, he knew, it was, he knew that was the right mountain because God had told him. And then when he sees the ram caught in the thicket, it says that he lifted up his eyes and he saw the ram. So again, the only time Abraham ever truly sees the right thing, the only time Abraham truly sees what God is doing is after that he had heard and obeyed God and his voice. Which brings us to our last word, which is to listen. And if you remember me reading, I actually never said the word listen in this story, but that doesn't mean it's not there. You see, can you say the word shema with me? 
Shema is actually one of the most theologically significant words in all of the Old Testament because it really it starts in Genesis and goes throughout the whole narrative and it's this idea of listening. You see, in Hebrew, there is no word for the word obey. There's no single word that just literally translates into this idea of obey. The only word for obey is the word shema, which means to listen. And it starts out, and it emphasizes this point that you can't really say that you're listening to God unless you obey him. And if you're not obeying him, it asks the questions, have you ever really honestly listened to the Lord? And so City Life, I really felt so strongly that this is the, even though this is not a happy word, even though it's not an excited word, this was the first word that God put on my heart for our community, is are we a community that really goes to God to listen to him? You know, before we do all the chaos of talking over him, if we go to him but never silence ourselves, never listen to him, how can we obey him? And it, it asks this question, is, is life better when God is in control, or is it better when we think we see more than God? And so this asks to me a lot of questions. I love asking questions. Uh, and worship team, or Ryan, if you could come up. I love asking questions. You know, I've been leading the downtown, M or part of leading the downtown MC for a couple years now. And so I, I always have like 50 questions, 30 questions that I don't actually ever ask for each MC because questions to me can be so revealing. And so here are some questions, Tony, if you can put them up. It's like, does your life demonstrate that you listen to God, or does God have to listen to your plans or opinions? Can your faith be seen? Do you think there's enough evidence of you listening to the Lord where he looks at you and be like, yeah, this, this guy's obedient? You know, one of the cool things about Abraham's story is that the blessing only came after the angel of the Lord said that he saw that Abraham would listen and obey to God. I was like, can your neighbors or your family members see that you actually believe and have a relationship with God? When was the last time in your life where you made a major or minor decision that you didn't want to make, but you knew God was asking you to make it? Next question. Do you listen before you speak to God or to people? Like that's a much more practical question. Do you, like, do you ever really listen to people? Or are you too busy thinking about the next thing you're going to say? Do you do that with God? Do you actually spend time quieting yourself in, life of, in your prayer life? Now, that's why we talk about prayers, because in prayer is when we say that we approach God, right? And do you ever just listen to Him? Do you try to listen to Him? Jesus, there's so many times where Jesus talks about knowing that his sheep know his voice. And that in our relationship, you can actually, we can actually have a personal relationship with the Lord where he speaks to us. Adam and Eve, they were pretty lucky. They got to have walks with God, Genesis says. But then after the fall, this was broken. So another question. If you are deeply unsatisfied with life right now, when was the last time you tried to hear from God? 
You know, I firmly believe that all the circumstances in your life don't have to change for you to start feeling joy or for you to start feeling like God is actually in control. You know, it's, to me, this is a part perspective. Are you listening to the Lord? Because you can do anything, you can get anything accomplished when you're actually listening to the Lord. When you know you're in the right place, even though it's really hard, even though it's not what you want to be happening in your life right now, like, can you, can you be really listening to God? And so, yeah, I'm here this morning to start off our relationship as lead pastor to say that City Life, we need to be listening to the Lord individually and as a community. So we can't be rushing into God's presence callously or going to Him only to get what we want because truly, life truly only makes sense when we've been listening to the Lord. Even though all the circumstances may be ridiculous or hard, you know, we might find that we're exactly where God wanted us to be. You know, back to my testimony of my time being here, I'm seeing so much fruit of the time that God has made us stay here, because sometimes He literally just made me stay here. Um, but I had no idea what He was doing. Even a couple months ago, Anna and I had a discussion, and we we're like, we don't know how we're going to stay here. There's no, there seems to be no room for us. There's definitely no money for us. Like, what's going on? But yet God knew what he was doing this whole time when he told us, just listen to him. And so much of life is about listening to the Lord. Amen? And so let's enter into this season of transition, further transition, and be a community that says we'll listen to the Lord. And we'll go where he says, because if we don't obey him, we never really cared about what he had to say anyway. Amen? And so today, we also want to remember what Christ has done for us. You know, Christ came to bring us back to the Father, to reestablish our relationship with him, and to be able to hear his voice, each single one of us, to receive the Holy Spirit. And so today we're actually going to take communion on this first Sunday of the year, of this first Sunday of the decade. We want to take communion all together. If you guys can come up here. We want to remember, communion is really about remembering what God has done for us and celebrating who he is and what he was able to accomplish for us. We go to his table and we eat the bread that represents his body that was broken for us. And we drink of the juice that represents the blood that he shed for us. And we remember what God did for us. We remember how faithful he was. Yolanda, I love that what you said earlier today. If nothing else, we can all celebrate that God is faithful to us and has always been faithful to us. So let's take communion now. We have gluten-free option right here. Come to row if you want gluten-free. And let's remember what Christ did for us on the cross. Let's remember that life is only really worth living when we're listening to the Father and the plans that he has for us. You can come and take communion, take it back to your seats and take it when you're ready. And we're going to worship a little more, right? Thank you. <laughs> 